like the melting pot almost implies like a kind of erasure we're just like oh yeah america's so great everyone's welcome but then we you know gloss over like the immigrant experience and all these like vibrant cultures we do have and that they are different from each other and we got to celebrate that we can't just blur it all into this one mishmash Is everyone? Good. <laughs> Welcome back. A few days later in the game, we're still going strong. Oh, a friend of mine also mentioned. I think he listens to like mostly all the episodes, but uh, <laughs> that it's really good, and your friends are super cool. Uh, it's just that you all need to <laughs> invest in some infrastructure. <laughs> it's clear that you are on a Zoom call and that brings down overall listening experience, but it's great content. Hopefully, maybe Aww. one enjoys you all. Okay, that's like a good point. And the thing is like, I had the mic that you you got for me and it still sounded the same. Like, I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. I know, I'm like... I'm not- is there like something else people use because like people are definitely doing it remotely yeah i can't even imagine like people who were using that mic and gave it good reviews i'm like what did you sound like before if it was that bad i just yeah like it just sounds like a regular one. okay if you're listening and you think this sounds bad <laughs> or like zoomy then like give us your recommendations on what we should do because we will invest we are willing willing to invest I just don't know what to invest in. Like, I don't. I don't want to waste my money on like bikes that still don't work well. So, oh, maybe I should shout out his name. It was Shivam. Thanks, Shivam, for that comment mm-hmm. about how we are t- sounding terrible. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I have a cousin named Shivam. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's that's cool. You have a friend named that. Two important shivams in our lives. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I think it's a common North Indian name. Yeah. yeah, it's his nickname actually. His um, <gasps> formal name is Aditya. I don't know how he got shivam from that. You all do like the school name and pet name thing. Yeah. What's your pet name? Shibu. Oh, it is actually Shibu. I wasn't sure if that was something we, like, Chithra invented. Oh, yeah. I know. I, at first, I wasn't sure if, like, Chithu was something I just called her, but it's cute that that's what, like, her mom says. Does Mishu come from Shimona? Because there's, like, the M. No. It actually, my aunt came up with Geishu for Tanya. And then my mom was like, well, we need something that rhymes. And then my mom was like, <laughs> That's <laughs> that so cute. an Indian thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I love the amount of thought that was put into this. Yeah, right? Cute. I like it. I like it. It too. sounds like derivative from your name, though. It kind of worked out perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Shimona. That little dragon in Mulan, I think it's Mushu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was younger, I saw the movie, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like my name. Yeah. All right. So today, we are talking all about colonialism. 
Yes, uh, yeah. I'm like smiling as I'm saying this like heavy topic, but <laughs> kind of touched upon it in other episodes in basically every episode because that's like that's like what everything comes down to. But we're gonna go more in depth and specifically talk about the history of it and then how it affects us today and how it is impacting uh, America's capitalistic values or capitalism in general. So I think yeah. we're gonna start us off with some of the historic context. So Yes, I will. What do we don't think? mind if I do. All right, so I'm gonna start off with just the difference between colonialism and imperialism because I think like I learned it kind of in like history class back in the day, but like we don't really know it, I guess, like day to day. But um, so imperialism is basically when a country takes over through political or economic means. So like low key, sneakily. And then colonialism is when they take it over by force. Mm. Uh, and I think it's an important distinction because we kind of relate it all to colonialism, even though like a lot of the majorly impacted places were like through imperialistic rule. So like the whole East India Trade Company, which is when the British East India Trade Company started out with just trading in like Indian commerce and then slowly was able to take over a bunch of their or a brunt of their economy, like their resources, infrastructure, just like all through economic and political means. And then we have in the US, like a more colonialist situation that happened with Native Americans existing here and then taking over the land by force. So I think this is like, something we don't think about um, because a lot of the time like big western countries mostly just Britain would just take over without actual brute force and I don't think we think about that I think we think about like well Britain just came in guns a-blazing and took this shit over and now you know white people are the best and anyone who's been white sucks but it, it was a lot more, I think, conniving than just that. Um, so yeah, I guess like, what's that? Yeah, cunning, sneaky. Um, company that was like what they did with imperialism. Yes, yep. Yeah, so it was building their empire and it was similar to like Australia and which I think in Australia, they literally just like sent over their convicts over there mm -hmm. and it yeah, became like a giant island of convicts <laughs> turned into Australia um, but they're still a commonwealth nations so Australia Canada a uh, bunch of other countries they're still like technically under British rule like I think Canada even has like the queen on their money and stuff mm. um, but they are like autonomous countries too it's very complex, but it's like basically Britain, little sub Britons, and then the rest of the world, which is like ancient. Yeah, which is interesting exploring like the difference in how the British took over like Canada or purchased land in Canada and 
like Canadians, I'm not speaking for Canadians, but, you know, part of their patriotism is also like loyalty to the British crown. But in India, like if, if you said patriotism is, you know, loyalty to India, then also loyalty to the British crown, that would be pretty messed up. Like, I think yeah, people would be, like, pretty angry about that. Like, if, if you, like, insinuated that's that's how you show loyalty to your country. So it's – and I, I wonder how much, like, the racism and the ancestry is a part of that, too. You know, like, yeah. pe- like white people in Canada are descendants of British people. And, again, I'm not saying this is all of Canada. Like, there are so many immigrants in Australia and Canada. Um, but, you know – yeah. And Native Americans still, or Native yeah. Canadians. Native yeah, First people. Nations. I... Yeah. Um, ways of like getting the country more and more dependent on this other entity. And then once they become dependent, you can kind of control them in different ways. It seems like that's what the East India Company did at least. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so before we're in, and I please internet correct me if I'm wrong. Before Britain started their their commerce with India, they weren't trading overseas, maybe to China and like neighboring countries, but they weren't really going past that. So Britain became like a spice trade bridge to like selling to the Western countries. So that also became like a huge part of their economy. And then when you control their money flow, you kind of can like take more and more and more power. Mm-hmm. Which is like crazy to me because like a lot of British staples are stem from like Indian resources, like tea, like even things that like become ingrained in your day-to-day life, but are like, like we have English breakfast tea. We didn't mm-hmm. have that tea leaf thing in Britain like that's like exclusive to India and now it's like probably well I guess India does have tea every day but like then the concept of tea came from Britain so it became like this weird like I think the culture also became like a mishmash of Britain and India which is purely seen as either Britain or Indian but it's almost like Britain also took some of the resources that India had and showed them how to use it in ways that India didn't even realize and then like profited off of that. Yeah. A lot of their naturally growing things that were just like, or even just their infrastructure or agriculture or like- Education. Education, architecture. Like, oh, wait, do this. Like, oh, your soil here is really fertile for this. So why don't you do this? And then obviously all of that once they had the power to like manipulate that, it was like, okay, well, we know what we're doing and we're gonna export it and control it the way we want to, so. Yeah, For totally. Sure. And we see that like today, there's um, like, it's crazy with like farmers in America, which maybe it's not as much now because like the farming industry is like greatly decreased like currently, but um, like conglomerate, companies that sell like a certain vegetable will like which this is also what's happening in India with the farmers crisis where they will like t- 
tell these farmers that they need to grow this crop and then we'll pay you like more money for this specific crop if you grow it. And this happened with like corn or something. And then there was like this insane corn surplus and that we're, I think we're still in today, which is why like the base, this is also on Adam Orange everything, but um, <laughs> the base of like literally every food you eat is corn. Like that's where like corn syrup comes from, like corn starch, all it. like the base of even like not corn, like broccoli, there's like somehow still corn in it. It's, it's wild. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And all the beer we drink or the cheap beer, like Coors Light, Bud Light. It's really just like fermented corn water. Like what? How did this happen? This is like this is like modern day colonization or imperialization, I guess. I think I feel like now that I know the difference between imperialism and colonialism, a lot of the modern day stuff is more imperialistic than colonized. Yeah, it's, especially when you think about that impact on the environment. You know, I, I yeah. feel like that's so closely tied to imperialism too. Like it's not good for the environment to have like an absurd amount of this one kind of crop, but it's it's benefiting, you know, the imperialist. And so we're going to exactly. keep it that way. Yeah, exactly. In like a sneaky economic political way, not necessarily in like a brute force way. When I think about imperialism, I also think about how, like what social media has done to our minds. Like it wasn't necessarily the goal to begin with, but they were kind of like, oh, here's a way we can connect each other. And then, oh, look at all this data we're conveniently gathering. And what if we like, what if we start doing targeted ads? And what if we start like manipulating what we're showing people and like, how is that gonna change their mood and whatnot? And slowly but surely they kind of, uh, it's like a virus that like went into all of our minds that that feels like, quite imperialistic in the way they like yeah. our, our sense peace of mind but yeah not in like a forced way but in like uh you have to be part of this game you want to be and it economically benefits the people enforcing like the beauty industry like it it economically benefits them mm-hmm. so it is it is basically modern day imperialism yeah which i feel like I just made my segment super short. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't do like a shit ton of research on this. No, no. <laughs> no but I'm was... down to just, I mean, I literally just did like one definite, <laughs> but uh, we. I'm down to just jump into modern day because I feel like that's also more interesting instead of doing like a history class. <laughs> cool. Well, I have like some bullet points I made about modern day colonialism, imperialism. This is a topic that is very close to my heart (laughs) because it is something that I feel like there are words and there there are concepts that we come across in our life that kind of re-change, shift our entire perspective on something. Or maybe it's something we've thought about, but we didn't know that there was like a word that could be used for it. Like, I, I'll, a lot of times I give the example of Sonder. Do you know the word Sonder? I think so. Is, is that the realization that everyone around you is living their own life, se- like, separate from you, and they're in their own narratives? Yeah. Is that from that YouTube series? Um, Probably. 
Ah, what's it called? Yeah, I don't know. It's like beautiful descriptive words or something. Yeah, but it's, it it sounds it's like darker though, like the title. Oh, sorry, all right, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll put it somewhere. Um, I think it's founded on um, stumble upon. Do you ever stumble upon? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I like. Like I have no visualization of what that was, but you saying stumble. Yeah, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, <laughs> I'm back in the eighth grade. Yeah, like, what? I used to go on that. Like, yes, I'm in eighth grade. I think I I came across this like article, like words you might not know that are like interesting, and then Alexander was on there, and I obscure I'm... and something. Sorry, obscure. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Um, but I remember reading about Sonder, the definition, and I was like, whoa, like it just totally, it's just nice when you get like a frame of, a framework for some, for a way of thinking or something that you've thought about before. Modern day colonialism and learning about how that's impacted so much of what we do today has really been that similar effect on me where I feel like I have, I kind of see it everywhere I go and everything I do today is like it's trickled down to all of that and I think I first got a taste of what modern day colonialism looks like and how it impacts us when you read about anything like summarizing the history of humanity so like a lot of the commonly known books are like guns germs and steel or sapiens that's a really popular one um Tim Urban has another book, I think it's called Story of Us. It has, I think it does a similar concept, but basically anything that summarizes the lifespan of humanity and what has happened to us so far will reference, you know, it's, it's kind of, you can't talk about humanity without talking about colonialism or slavery or imperialism. And, and you realize that all of how things are today are so interconnected to how things how relationships were in the past and sure we're not today India isn't like dominated by the British Empire but obviously there are so many things within the way we view uh what success looks like or what being fulfilled looks like or what being pretty looks like uh in the eyes of our colonialists even though we're generations away from that still being a case and I feel like a lot of what colonialism was in the past has kind of been reframed to what you would call maybe like inequality today or like systemic racism. And I know not a term, um, maybe even like further down the line. Well, I'll get to it later. But uh, a lot of when people refer to those terms like systemic racism, it's those are all systems that have been developed because of the inequalities that were set years and years and years ago by people trying to enforce this idea that people are better or worse than because of how they look or where they come from or what they believe in. So it all kind of gets boiled down to what we have, this, these like social systems we have today, and there's no avoiding that fact. And I think that's something important to keep in mind, especially when for a lot of people who are like, I want to change the world or do something philanthropic or like social justice related. Uh, a lot of these systems and 
types. These are like very deeply rooted mindsets in, in a lot of people today that come from like that hundreds and hundreds of years of oppression. So it's going to be, you're, that's kind of like what you're up against when you're uh, tackling a lot of these things. So, but I think a lot of it is, it's getting a lot better. Like when I see like trainings we have at work in terms of microaggressions was the word I was going to talk about before, where it's even, when I think of there is like, uh, let's say, this explosion of inequality and all the things that got left behind and microaggressions. It's one of the more refined aspects of that, but still very present. But yeah, I feel like that whether it's like trainings at work or a lot of the literature I'm seeing nowadays or the way people are speaking out on social media, it's becoming much more apparent that these are things that are affecting all of us and inequality doesn't just affect those that are being oppressed, but those that are also it affects everyone regardless of where you're on the scale and if people are being held be held back for reasons outside of their control um, that's only making less opportunities for success for everyone so any thoughts on that so far yes i i agree it is nice to see like how things are getting better um and that people are willing to like speak out and i i think start to recognize how like colonialism does manifest in our day-to-day -day lives you know whether that's like on social media how influencers look a certain way and how that that's like something that we all need to aspire to like it, it kind of reminds me of like colonialism's like how it it kind of goes hand in hand with racism and it's like aspiring to a certain like social class or race or all that, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's like starting to change in like the language that we now have and just the awareness um, of like how important diversity and inclusion is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's this sense of, at least in a lot of the majors, like Seattle, I've been noticing a lot in the neighborhood that I'm in, uh, maybe parts of like New York and Austin definitely where there's this expectation of having a knowledge of this stuff like understanding microaggressions understanding what's okay what's not okay to say understanding like diversity inclusion belonging all those things because I feel like there's also more like snapback, like people are definitely more cautious of what they're going to say, but then also like more willing to be like, hey, that was messed up or like, you shouldn't be saying that or whatever. Uh, I actually, have you heard of the book Dear White People? I watched the Netflix series of the same name. Netflix series. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I just found the book yesterday at this like art gallery. And it was very, I guess like, it was put in a very straightforward way. So there had this like chart of when you say this and this thing to a black person, like what, what you're saying versus like what they're hearing. Yeah, just like a way of like checking a check on yourself for how you talk and behave in the world. And so things like that, like that's a pretty new book. That was a pretty new series. And I feel like things like that just would not have been 
around 10, 20 years ago. So there's definitely like an awakening of like, you better understand these things or you'll probably like lean far right. <laughs> but another thing I've noticed are kind of the way I frame modern day colonialism is I feel like for those of us who maybe deal with more like the microaggressions and not so much like the systemic racism that other communities might face. Like I feel like maybe this is more of like first gen Indians might relate to this, that you definitely experience bit of the racism, but maybe it's not like the lack of equal opportunities as other races might have or in other yeah. communities. But in our case, I feel like colonialism, like our minds are still colonized in many ways, at least our parents' generation and uh, maybe back home more so, especially with like I mentioned, like what's considered successful or what's considered like good looking or attractive, like a lot of those things are still very much tied to our oppressors and what they deem to be that way. So I think regardless of how far we think we've come, I feel like as long as we still hold on to those ideals of like, this is what beauty and success looks like, then we're really not improving by much. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, there is a show that Chitra showed me, what was it called? The Food Lore with the, the Indian, uh, they went to India. Yeah. Wait, lore. the really sad one? Oh no, not that one. No, I didn't want, we didn't watch that because I said I didn't want to cry. Y'all gotta watch it though, it's so good. Uh, only like kind of cry at the end. If you cried, I'm going to like. Have a I have been crying more often though, so. Because ah. like I also cried for Okja. Oh, that was yeah. That yeah. was like a, I needed to step yeah. into another room and like gather myself because I was crying so much. Oh really? <laughs> Wait, yeah, I'll watch, I'll watch that, that after school. Let's all cry today. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that movie based on what I've heard and I watched like the first 20 minutes of it but got busy and had to do something else so I couldn't finish it um it's kind of a good example of like modern day colonialism you know like how factory farming I don't want to sound like a PETA activist but just like our impact on the environment the like lack of regard for you know what this is going to do to our planet in 20 years yeah and like it's kind of colonialism yeah and even like animal life in general like I think society has like desensitized us to like what animals feel what kind of pain because like I mean yeah like not to sound like a crazy vegan but like you know it's, it's like shitty to like kill an animal shittily and then eat it like at least if you're gonna eat an animal do it quick do it painlessly give them a good life you know like and like, I think pe like, you know, a lot of meat eaters make that argument. They're like, oh, I only eat like free range garbage. I'm like, I guess saw you have a Big Mac the other day. Those are not some free range, <laughs> like shut the fuck up, sir. Um, but <laughs> I like, we, we've like so desensitized the general public to factory farming and like, like to literally torturing animals right up until they're like consumed. And even like the fact that our bodies can't take it and don't want it, like we're all lactose intolerant. Like we, 
I am very lactose intolerant and our body is literally rejecting it yet the industry is like so making so much money off of us that rather than us listening to like common sense like a we're torturing the animal b we're hurting our bodies they instead are like no here's some like dairy relief pills keep eating a cheese shove 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 it's like it's just nonsense Sorry, my, my vegan right <laughs> <laughs> I always think though then like because I totally agree with all of that then I'm like how do people in like Italy and France do it because they maybe it's just the quality of their cheese or meat because I feel like they're a lot of people are eating like meat and cheese like three meals a day yeah. all they'll eat yeah just like a cheese yeah like that whole country with some like yeah well i think it's also like their ancestry like your like your body has like tolerated like that amount of cheese and has adapted to like eating that but like indians we only have like yogurt and like i don't even i feel like paneer came with like the british like i don't think we knew how to make cheese we didn't want to let the milk spoil for that long to make cheese but um yeah and like same with other like asians like a lot of us are like so i think it is like also partially just your bloodline like how much genetically you can take dairy yeah and like how soon how much long ago longer ago did like cows and dairy farming become like prevalent because it i think it's pretty recent in like asian countries yeah you know whereas in like like i think in european cultures they've been like dairy farming for way longer so their bodies have built up a tolerance for sure and also like like in I think also what you were saying to like the quality like in Italy and France and stuff like they probably most of their meat that they eat is probably like free range had an okay life kind of stuff and like a little bit but like when it comes to factory farming there's like really no justification for it I feel like health-wise and humane humaneness wise yeah like that's why it feels like okja isn't even that crazy of a concept like i can totally see the u.s like trying to capitalize and even like colonize a place over having like that much abundance of meat i mean that's what is happening in brazil like that's been happening for a very long time like the uh so most of american fast food meat is from cows that have been raised in Brazil where they're cutting down the rainforest to create land to support all of these cows. And then it's so cheap there because of like how much land there is and how many they can fit in like those factories and stuff that this is like basically Okja is happening in Brazil. And with their crazy ass president, he was like, oh, more money mo problems but fuck it mo money and then has been cutting down more of the rainforest to support that and it's like and it's all facilitating a western country so it is like very imperialistic colonization ish i would i would argue even call it more colonization because it is like extremely destructive and like physically well i guess it is still imperialistic because they're not actually 
the people probably getting the worst impacted by that are like the indigenous people living in the Amazon. Absolutely. You know, it's it's not like the rich, like European ancestry Brazilians are making a ton no. of money off of it. No, and it's like the the, I mean, they're not the ones suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, it's mostly the government that's like making money off of it, and then like Brazilians, like Brazilian citizens who are like profiting off of that industry growing, and like workers and stuff, and even like you know people like flat, like deforesting, and like that's that's a whole industry in and of itself. But yes, the indigenous people and like the entire planet, because that's our like biggest like oxygen sink, yeah. CO2 sink or whatever. Yeah. I didn't know that. But... Fun fact. And even like that... with the farmers protests in India, it's kind of a similar issue at hand where like India wants to just totally deregulate its its market when it comes to like exporting produce right and and turn it into like a mini america um with this is how the uh, corn like, happened yeah exactly because there was no regulation there was no like thoughtfulness what is this going to do to like the the actual land and i know like it's pretty amazing that it's led to one of the biggest protests in history because it is like you know india is going through colonialism all over again yeah with the effects of capitalism yeah it is it's like capitalistic imperialism yeah yes true oh but what last thing um about the what was the name of the show we watched with her the food show where you said oh yeah sorry see with india yeah you like oh aziz and sorry was in it ugly delicious uh, Yes. Yeah. But do you remember that there's a scene in the in, in the episode where they're talking about how Britain Britain has the most like Indian restaurant. They have like a crazy amount of Indian restaurants and like people eat Indian food there all the time. And the lady who was talking about that was like, "Oh, they like colonized us, and now like we're colonizing them back with our food." And she was like, "Yeah." Oh, and <laughs> I feel like that mentality is very common in a lot of people of her generation, like our parents' generation, where they're like, we did it. We've overcome the British and like, we're beyond their colonization now. And like, I don't know, they think they're kind of like past all of this, but like Chitra and I just started laughing when we heard that. Cause <laughs> there's like, just the fact that like, first of all, Britain has some of the best Indian chefs like I wonder why that is why all the Indian chefs just go to Britain and they leave India their own country to make good food I wonder why that's successful I wonder why like Britain has all these incredible like ingredients to make this food and like where the taste even came from for the Indian food and and all of that is still like ignoring the fact that colonism colonization is still very present if not just like in our minds and in the way we like structured our society so yeah I thought that was like a funny little like misjudgment of our history um yeah yeah I love that you brought that up because food and colonialism totally like are, are so related to each other especially in like our foodie culture now in the U.S. or all these like health like Ayurvedic health remedies that are 
are all natural, but like no one really understands their origins or how they were used in like religious ceremonies. And healthy yeah, dude. I, yeah, right. Healthy dude. Like a golden milk. One more time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, a golden milk latte. Yeah. And, the amount of companies that I've seen that have sold products that are just based off of like Ayurvedic principles and they're advertising it like that as well like they're advertising it like oh this is like Ayurvedic goodness for your body or they're using these terms like these catchphrases of like um I don't even know like food combining inflammation and like turmeric and like oh my god they've been using the word tantric and I don't think they know what tantric (laughs) yeah and but it just like it makes me so angry because like they charge like four times the amount that you would it would take for you to make that in like an Indian village and it's it's all because of the catchphrases and the marketing even for you to make it at home like if I went to the Indian store and I bought some milk and just packed it I already have turmeric but like packet of like 99 cent turmeric you get a bag this big yeah all the golden milk that I want right and I, I feel like fair trade or marking things as fair trade has been a way to kind of overcome that. Like, well, but we're giving money back to these like poor women in like some Indian village. But even that like isn't totally reliable. Um, and I, I just did a quick search on this. So apparently the, the economic impact of fair trade um, comes out to less than four cents per person per day. So... I know and I, and it's like making me reevaluate what I buy because sometimes I have that same thought it's like I, I want this like great Ayurvedic remedy for things um, and it's hard to find it like just on my own so it's easy to go to Whole Foods and buy something yeah. that has, has everything that's what fresh more too because I'm someone that does care about being, being healthy and taking care of my body and so when I have the options out in front of me and I have like I don't know the choice between like factory farm beef or like uh some like leftover like rotten kale or some like overly priced like ayurvedic marketed thing i'm at an airport and i just like i need to eat something i'm gonna buy that overly priced ayurvedic thing because i'm like, okay i know what's in it i know the ingredients it's healthy whatever i'll just get it but it's like i don't want to be part of the system but i have to because a lot of the people that are the only people that are selling this kind of stuff are like people that are like not even Indian and are don't really understand the principles and then are like selling this stuff. Like it's not like people who like understand what they're selling and then are marketing it at like a fair price just because they, they know they don't, they're not trying to like rip people off. They're just like, okay, we know what we're selling it. We know it's like four ingredients and it shouldn't cost that much. So like you get your money's worth, but yeah, it's like, I'm still going to go for it. Cause I, cause at the end of the day it's, it's what's clean, but I just, I feel like I'm getting, ripped off just because they're using a different brand than they need to mm-hmm. right. it's, again, a- it's, it's clean like we don't the fda only regulates like nutritional labels or whatever like to an extent and then there's like all these loophole laws that it's like well if it's less than this percent of this you don't have to include it on the label and if it's, like it's all well but then like you don't know what the batches are like like you can get all two percent of that one batch in your one bottle of whatever like they no one cares like no one in america cares about what you put in your body and this is very specific to america because in like germany 
very strict laws about like food regulation and like drink regulation. Oh really? In Germany did you find people would be more like cautious of having like processed stuff like drinks or chips or anything like that? So I mean like if you weren't having water you were having like beer or wine but in Germany you have like like Reinhold's Gebot something but they're like a set of laws that if this drink doesn't have like this this and this or it has like anything that's not this this and this then you can't call it a beer like legally so there's no no ipas no craft beers you can't sell them in germany or you can't call really? it sell in germany yeah you can call it like a seltzer or like you know something else like an alcoholic drink but you cannot call it beer and same with wine so like everything is very transparent and i appreciate it wow you know it's kind of making me think how i benefit off of like american capitalism because i do like the option of having you know all these different flavors of beers so it's yeah but like shimona was saying i don't know i get it don't call it a beer like you know like why why are we trying to i feel like we keep trying to cram these other things to benefit off like the hype that beer already has or like the hype that like something else already has and like push it in that category to like sell more but it's just everything is like sell 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 yeah totally it's all about the marketing it really just feels like other countries at least like european countries the government and the people are on the same side and there's a sense of like protection like if a company if a company or industry wants to come in and like infiltrate or like do something like make some profit like okay that's fine but at what expense and the government will evaluate that expense and they'll be like okay this isn't worth it we don't want to we want we don't want this affecting the health of our citizens so we're going to say no to this but for america it just seems like oh profit 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 this is going to bring money okay cool done oh doors opened like it's not even a consideration of like well how is this going to impact people's mental health like how is it going to impact the future of like the sustainability of our country or like I don't know all these like things that are just as important but are just not looked at because of capitalism and it's all about like the money 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 which is great for opportunity and has brought all these awesome things but um it's just not I was also okay this will segue into what Shivani's segment is but I was listening to this episode on the Freakonomics podcast about uh what was it called it was like I'll link it so you see about like oh, does anyone in America really understand what socialism means? And they talked all about like America's history with capitalism and how Europeans do socialism and how a lot of, it's funny because like, if you ask people in Europe, how do you like being under a socialist government? They'll be like, what do you mean? What's socialism? Like they don't even like, they don't think of it like that or they don't think Mm -hmm. of like weird oppressive way that Americans do when whatever thing the government having any hand in anything. But it, they kind of concluded in a not satisfying way where they're like, America's go-getter entrepreneurial spirit can never really coalesce in a peaceful way with socialism, with like the primary principles of socialism. And so it's either you pick capitalistic tendencies or you kind of do this huge overhaul and go through more like a socialism view or perspective because there's a reason why all these like giant tech companies didn't erupt in Europe 
There's a reason why they all came from America. There's a reason why all the like top researchers are in America. There's a reason why all the great inventions happened in America. And obviously Europeans, Europe has their inventions too. I'm not trying to be like, oh, Europeans are just like, you're not ambitious, but that, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> like America is just such a prime breeding ground for innovation. And it's because of that money, money, money attitude. And so if you take that away and you start saying, no, things should be regulated, things should be done a certain way, things should be said no to if they have certain things in them, then all of a sudden you're kind of like taking away what made America, America. So then maybe there's a way to do both or they kind of like a, there doesn't need to be an all or nothing, but like an all or something. And I think there's an Adam Ruins Everything episode on, actually, I think it's on tech and how there was, they had the speaker come in and talk about how tech needs to be like broken down. A lot of the major tech companies need to be broken down into smaller entities. And that's actually like very capitalistic and all people think that's socialistic, but uh, having competition among different entities is inherently capitalistic. And so that's actually a way we could accomplish both. So yeah, I don't know, that's a lot, but um, thoughts and Shivani, take it away. No, that's interesting to think about. So I'm wondering like, how are the, how are those smaller entities going to compete with each other? Like for example, if Amazon was broken up into different entities, would there be like a book section of it or like Kindle would be its own company or? Yeah. advocating like aws would be a separate company that would then compete with like um yeah like kindle but i don't really understand economically how that would work because a lot of times for many of these companies they're like one or two of their projects or teams bring in majority of their wealth so like aws is turning in a lot of money for amazon so if it was all of a sudden like broken apart from the rest of amazon how would that sustain the rest of the teams? I guess they could share money, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, he has a book on this that I could maybe link as well. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So yeah, that's a, that's a good segue into talking about like colonialism's impact on capitalism. Um, so this is kind of a review of what we've been talking about um, that capitalism is it's kind of like an evil grandchild of colonialism I think and that like colonialism implies like some kind of supremacy you know like white supremacy European supremacy like you know given the context of like the the British in India and in countries in Africa and like the, they did come on like their economic agenda too um, but I think part of it was also that like this is you know the white man's burden this like we need to like convert all of these like pagans or what, whatever they called us like um are called our ancestors i should say um and i think capitalism like kind of glosses over that and pretends that doesn't really exist anymore um while still like upholding that supremacy in more subtle ways I guess kind of like imperialism um, where like we'll, we will like systematically seg- segregate like black people into 
like impoverished neighborhoods and won't give them any economic opportunities, but we're going to tell them that it's, you need to work harder and then you can work your way up the social ladder or we will, or big companies like Amazon, like will open warehouses um, where we will employ like the most impoverished and the most like disadvantaged or historically looted of like our, our communities. Um, so I feel like colonialism in the past was a way of like exerting power over land and a people and then capitalism like still exerts that power and control um, with the like the main goal of profiting off of it you know like we talked about it's it's really just about money 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 and if we can't make money off of it well we need to just cut all all resources and all funding to whatever that is um, and so I I think we you know, while we talk about colonialism, like systemic racism is like another, I'll call it like ugly, evil grandchild of that, of it. Um, and yeah, just so, so much of like looting of resources has been justified by like white supremacy and it's, it's messed up. <laughs> In conclusion, it's messed up. <laughs> yeah it's some fun shit as I like to call it yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but I totally agree I mean I think even like the way that we have it's like America is very good at addressing it in like a this exists and then not doing anything about it or putting like a band-aid fix on it that's not really going to help and I think like like equal opportunity with which very helpful in certain scenarios, but it's like a very small percentage of like people of color in like, uh, you know, more like distraught economic situations will make it into like good colleges and make it out of there and like, you know, lead to, to further generations that are not stuck in poverty. But that's like such a small percentage. It's like such a tiny amount of people that it's basically doing nothing. I mean, it's, I guess it's like, and it's also now like showing or like turning white people being like, well, you're getting an unfair advantage. It's like a weird way to like slap a bandaid on the problem that's then causing more problems. It's, it's really simple. Also fun fact, apparently Indians and Asians hate the Equal Opportunity Act because they are the ones who suffer because like we're like the highest percentage in like places like Yale and Harvard and stuff like that and like so they're trying like other school even like white people benefit more than like equal opportunity yeah which I just thought I was could see that. I can see my parents <laughs> yeah being like oh you know yeah <laughs> my dad had a very similar attitude well I feel bad calling around about this but like he had a similar attitude to like well, not just him, a lot of, I feel like our parents have a similar attitude when it comes to uh, undocumented immigrants. And they're like, yeah. oh, these people coming in illegally, like they, and then they're just like supposed to be handed citizenship. Like, are you kidding me? Like for them, it was like, we had to wait in line. We had to wait our turn. Yeah, the hoops. Yeah, we went through all the paperwork. We did everything properly and legally. And, then, and we had friends that they had friends that got sent back to India, back to their country. So they just yeah. didn't, they didn't like, they didn't like fight the system and stay. 
but um so yeah they have a very similar like attitude about that where they're like oh like just follow the rules and if you don't make it you don't make it but you put your head down going forward right yeah right and it's like I mean I, I see both ways because like you're an immigrant and you came to this country through all the right avenues and like even like my cousins and like a lot of relatives and stuff at least seven years seven eight nine years to like from start to finish of trying to get here and even then it's like well you have a green card for now or like you have an h1 visa for now um but then you have you know like illegal immigrants but it's also like well what what are they running from where they'd rather like face like they know they're not welcome here like when you had Kamala Harris like go speak speak in front of all of them like don't come do not come like uh, they know that they're gonna be faced with like some fuck shit yet they must like it's life or death it's like well this is still a chance to like be alive and that's it like that's at that point it's like survival instinct so it's like well what would you do in that situation so yeah yeah it's like complex we got to talk about like U.S. imperialism in South America that led to the circumstances where a lot of refugees have exactly. to flee their countries, and but they can't be you know successful workers or like entrepreneurs here because of their lack of paperwork. And so I think that's also like a a weird recurring cycle in like American history. Yeah, and even like forget about like altruistic reasons, but like don't you want to like keep track of these people like at least give them papers to like be existent otherwise like you know they're not paying taxes they're like fully under the radar like if anything it's just better to identify them than to not like in an objective way yeah and like counted in our population and our census yeah Yeah. like we don't want invisible people in the population yeah, I think I also have to sometimes remind people that think that way that like, at least especially like our parents, like a lot of their friends that came here and they struggled with that, like they at least had a plan B, all of them at least. They had yeah. a, they could go back and it wasn't that big of a deal because they had family, it was great. They weren't running from anything. It was just like, yeah. they wanted the status of like being in America and the opportunity for their kids and whatnot. Um, but yeah, a lot of the people that, when you talk about like undocumented or like coming across the border, um, that's, they're doing that for, you know, you don't put your kids through like miles and miles of trekking and go on a boat and do all this stuff just because you're like going Knowing on. you still might not get in like, or yeah. you're separated. Because you like want to go on a vacation. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, like they've sent, like parents have sent their child over the border and been like just hoped for the best like you just sent them into and then because they couldn't go through whatever Mm -hmm. it's actually like not even quote what um this reminds me of a quote that i'm trying to search oh yes okay there was this picture taken it was just it's a really heartbreaking picture, but it was a comment about this some, from a, like a Somali refugee dad who was like escaping the war or something happening. But they had a comment from him saying, you have to understand no one puts their children, children in a boat unless the water is safer than the land. 
Mm. And I was like, oh, that like got to me, especially because the picture too, is like a picture of him like holding his son, like the son was crying. He looked so distraught. And there was like way too many people on that boat, like more than it could handle. And they were all just like going off into the abyss, hoping that something was going to come out of it. But he was like, I don't, people don't realize that like, we don't want to do this. Like we want to just be in our homes and like in our countries that we grew up, but like, we don't have a choice if it means for the safety of our children and like a chance for them to like live past like 20. So yeah. yeah. And I think that's also like the, you know, imperialist, like egotistical mindset where it's like, oh, everyone wants to come here because America's the best. Like America's the greatest. And that's why like they want to here. It's like, fuck you, no. Like you just might not die here. Yeah. <laughs> even like um, in the Heights by like Lin Manuel Miranda, that like musical that came out on HBO Max. They're like they dream of like the nights that they had in like the Dom Dominican Republic, and like you know they're like where they're from, and like how beautiful it was, and how you didn't have like you had a view, you didn't have just skyscrapers blocking everything, um, and they're like, but there was no food. It's like, well, that's the trade-off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, immigrating is like traveling to the moon, you know? You're in, like, such an isolated state, isolated state. And it, I feel like there's such a grieving process that goes with that, like, abandoning your family and, like, your food and everything you knew. It's like, who would want that for themselves and their family unless there was, like, a really good reason to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. And, like, a lot of the, the problems with, I think, I think more specifically, like, Britain and the U.S. is, like, there is a lack of, like, rooted culture that's not, like, based in religion, I guess. But, uh, like, especially in the U.K., it's, like, well, your churches, like, there's your history. Like, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. when you go to, like, you know, India, like, uh, I don't know, Vietnam, Mexico South American countries yeah like all they have like these rich like cultures and like from the food they eat the things they wear like all these different like aspects and I think one of the really cool things about American culture is it is like a mishmash of immigrant culture and it, and it, then it turns into like something brand new and something like creative and it's like like an innovative capital for sure but people don't don't see that like people see it as corrupting american values for the fuck that means yeah what I mean, are those yeah right if we look at what american values is it is like take over someone's land that's not yours that's that's the american value <laughs> like right i don't know like i don't know what what the fuck they're talking about which basically i think when they refer to that they want like white american vanilla pudding like it's it's just like not I don't know but then like like I have never and, and we saw or I don't know if you guys saw this but I saw this um food show on Hulu with um oh, she's like at the million model Padma Padma Lakshmi but, yeah Padma Lakshmi yeah so she has this show on Hulu where she does like different parts of America where they have these like immigrant hubs and so like in New Jersey you have all the Indians there and then if in Utah there's a giant population of Germans uh in I think that was Boston. in Milwaukee the German one oh oh maybe. Yeah. yeah okay I thought it was, yeah but like just but just so right yeah but, uh, Las Vegas huge uh Thailand Thai 
yeah community. I was surprised yeah, to like, see that too I was like really like what's there in Vegas but yeah and yeah. I, I like I'm so mad I didn't try Thai food when I went to Vegas because I'm like uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. um, and then like just all over the place like just all these little hubs and then and then you see like well like the Thai food mesh with like Las Vegas nightlife and it's turned into like its own subculture and it's, like no, in no other country would this ever happen like it's really cool but we don't glorify it we don't appreciate it whatsoever yeah that's not that's really like the melting pot almost implies like a kind of erasure we're just like oh yeah america's so great everyone's welcome but then we you know gloss over like the immigrant experience and all these like vibrant cultures we do have and that they are different from each other and we got to celebrate that we can't just blur it all into this one mishmash you know yeah which I think is like what was expected with like immigrants coming to America I think the expectation was assimilation it wasn't I don't know hybrids <laughs> yeah because that's uncomfortable to people here yeah absolutely and I, like even like what like immigrants are the top producers of like entrepreneurship like no native or not native American, original Americans <laughs> after the native, you know, <laughs> they don't create new businesses. They they stick to what they know. They go into like I don't know finance, do all the, you know, white collar bullshit, and they don't take risks. Like I mean, to just come to another country is like you're gonna be a risk taker. I don't know. It's like you have like the greatest minds, and they're just constantly just depressed. From all over the world, greatest minds from all over the world, and we just press it because we want them to assimilate because colonialism, imperialism, <laughs> capitalism, yes, all of the isms. Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap up because I really have to pee. There, <laughs> <laughs> listen to your body. Yes despite what colonialism, capitalism tells you. <laughs> so I think we covered a good amount. Started off with the three, went into how our minds are still colonized today. Mm-hmm. Not like physically colonized. Uh, and then wrapped it up with a lot of food conversations. I think food also says a lot about where you come from and your roots and what you find comfortable and find comfort in and how you others and even like sorry just to like add one more food thing because I've a lot about this but like when you go to school as a kid and let's say you like bring your Indian food that's like like I have been told that my rice looks like maggots and I'm like you've never had rice before I feel bad for them yeah right I'm like oh I'm sorry you've never had flavor not that the rice was like but you know like chicken noodle soup is a nasty in its own way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah right <laughs> which like it's just like why are people food shaming it's like i don't i don't tell you your pasta's bland yeah i think it <laughs> yeah even like the food options in elementary middle schools it's just like hot dogs hamburgers mac and cheese <laughs> yeah imagine being vegan as like a kid it was impossible you could oh, yeah. i know i think about that with the food they serve my students i'm like wow this like makes me nauseous like I don't even want to eat my lunch because it's so much like vague meat 
you know? Yeah. And it's like a lot of kids are raised vegan, like James and like people with vegan parents who grew up in the 70s. I don't know. But like a lot of kids have like our generation have grown up vegan. And I'm like, how the fuck did you do it? Like, I don't understand. Like, do you have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like every single day? Really? Yeah, I kind of did actually. <laughs> good times but yeah we'll be a question for our kids maybe one day that's gonna be my biggest I can already see myself like in the future if I'm gonna be a mom like my biggest point of panic at any moment is gonna be like food options for my children <laughs> or like also like not as yeah, you like let your kid hang out with like a friend like was their mom gonna feed them yeah like right well I guess once in a while it's fine but like still it's just not even like being vegan but just like their access to clean that's not processed and just loaded with sugar yeah yeah that's like so much kids food right I'm gonna hand them a Capri Sun and some goldfish on their way in I guess exactly (laughs) Uh, and you don't want them to be like social outcasts. Exactly. Right. Food is extremely like divine. I remember I, I invited like a friend over. This is when I was like pretty young, like sixth grade or something. And like we ate with our hands. Like I ate with my hands up until then. And this girl like walked in while we were having dinner and her mom was like, oh, are you guys making something? And we're like, no, we're just eating dinner. And the, the, discu- the look of disgust on this girl's face and the mom's face. Was just oh like, because like our hand had food on it. And God forbid. Yeah, it's like, oh, you can eat like hamburgers and pizza with food as soon as it's anything else. It's like, whoa. And then I remember after that, I started eating with a fork my my meals. I had to decolonize my brain, and now I won't eat my hand again. But that was. Oh, I love that you did, you did that though. You went through that decolonization, even like but with my. Good. Or have you guys heard of like decolonizing your skincare routine or your like hair care routine oh, to like not yeah. let it aspire to whiteness? Basically, I only heard of that because of you, Shivani. The podcast you shared from um, was it Memorabilia? No, some podcast about like oh, Code Switch. Yes, that one. I listened to that. I time. like that pod- podcast a lot. That yeah. was, like so good just the way they talked about beauty. And I love that term, like decolonizing your beauty routine. It made me really think about myself and like what I view as pretty or whatever. And I was like, damn, like so much of this is just propaganda (laughs) that I've been fed from like other media. Yeah, Yeah. and it's just, it's crazy because like, I'll I'll look at things like the double eyelid surgery and I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Like, obviously that's so, that's so clearly like a, a, a result of like colonization and like trying to look more Western. But then I'll like think to myself, like, oh, I, I look better like when I'm not tan. Like, how is that any different? Yeah, like, that specifically. Oh my gosh. Same yeah. thing. I'm like saying, thinking one thing is different than the other. No, it's literally the same exact thing. I guess because I've been told that, like, you know, I, I look better like. And straightening my hair. Like, I straight mm-hmm. when, like usually when I go up, pin straight. Why? Why? No, same. I for so long I've tried to make my hair seem like really thin, like thin and easy to look at and manage and all that. But it's like it, it so just like wants to flow free. Hair. Yeah, like that's just healthy. Like thick ass hair. Like I have yeah. thin as fuck hair. I've been trying to ball it out. <laughs> and that 
and that's beautiful <laughs> too in its own way yeah, yeah. Hairball. <laughs> <laughs> okay not that <laughs> but uh but yeah man she's why everything everything has been imperialized by western propaganda yeah which i feel like is a conclusion we reach a lot of the time yes yeah which is like i don't want to make the whole thing like fuck white people which is not it's not white people it's the system it's what history has pushed what they benefit off of yes exactly and as long as you're an ally you're fine but if you're telling me my food looks like maggots i hate you get out awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) the middle of my work (laughs) (laughs) a lot of passion in this episode we hope you enjoyed come check us out next time give us some episode recommendations like talk to us like you can dm us if you can like if you're out there i want to hear from you guys (laughs) comment share subscribe (laughs) we're gonna work on better microphones i promise yes that's a shout out to shivam yeah shout out to shivam (laughs) thanks man thanks for the love tell tell us your recommendations on mics please we would love to yes (laughs) (laughs) all right okay bye guys (laughs) Yes, we'll talk soon. Mwah.